So far in this series, we've learned how Lyric Opera decides in a particular production and how they go about creating a roster to actually take the stage. Of course, Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, Duncan, and Banco aren't the only ones that are on the stage. That's where the chorus comes in. So the chorus have an integral part of pretty much every opera ever mm -hmm. written. There are a couple that don't feature choruses, but most operas have a lot of chorus in them, or at least a little bit. And the chorus come on, and their role is to advance the drama either with um, an emotional push because they're commenting on what's being happening with the principal characters, or sometimes it's for comic relief, sometimes it's for a visual thing. They need more people on stage to do things. So composers mm -hmm. wrote them into these opera scores uh, as villagers, as priests, as prostitutes as neighbors as villagers to make the opera look very realistic i think I'm Keith Conrad, and this is Bringing Up the Lights, a podcast where I'll be giving you a look behind the curtain at the people involved in creating some of the biggest stage productions in the United States. This season, I'm following along with the Lyric Opera of Chicago as they prepare their production of Verdi's opera Macbeth in September of 2021. Michael Black is the chorus master for Lyric Opera of Chicago. Once Lyric has decided what their next production will be and who will be getting top billing in a specific production, the real work begins. The chorus plays such an important role, it's safe to say it would be extremely difficult to tell the story without them. Antony Freud and Andy Melanot were hooked on opera specifically from a very young age, but Black took a little less linear path to get to the Lyric Opera of Chicago. Uh, so my background, I'm obviously Australian. Uh, my first degree was in music education at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music, where I think in my first year there, I realized I was never going to be a music teacher in the high schools in Sydney. And I used to miss class. What do you call it here? Skip class? I used mm -hmm. to wag class, we call it in Australia, all the time. Because I found these, I found all the library uh, old vinyl sets of Joan Sutherland singing. So I used to go to the library for about four hours a day and just listen to these recordings of opera. And I knew that I wanted to do something in opera, but I pursued this education degree for four years came out with a you know good degree then i did a postgrad in collaborative piano specializing in working with opera singers and then i still didn't quite know what i wanted to do at that point i was lecturing a little bit at sydney university and i did a masters in musicology so pedagogy performance and music analysis is my music background um, i was lecturing i was playing the piano when I finished my degree at the Sydney Conservatorium, the then head of vocal department called me. Um, and I'll never forget this phone call. She said, I don't think you're very good, but I think you have a lot of potential and I'd like to offer you a job playing in all the vocal studios. And it was $11.27 an hour. But for two years, for something like 30 hours a week, I got to play for singing lessons with the most amazing singing teachers imaginable. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe at the end of the two years of doing that, I was quite good, um, but not, not at the beginning, certainly. And then 
um, I was lecturing, I was playing the piano. I remember I had all these other jobs. I was cleaning, I was um, actually got a job delivering pizzas at one point. Uh, just couldn't find the right job. Wrote to Opera Australia. They said, come in for an audition. Went in for an audition. They thought it was fantastic. They said, we've just filled the job you've applied for, <laughs> but we'll keep you on the books. Um, two years later, they they sent a letter in the mail and said, would you like to be repetitor for um, Italian Girl in Algiers with Richard Bonning conducting? And I jumped at the chance. Um, then they offered me another opera as rehearsal pianist. And then whilst I was there, the assistant chorus master position became available. And the chorus master offered me the assistant chorus master job, which I took. And I couldn't believe my luck. I thought this was the pinnacle of my career, yeah, assistant chorus master at Opera Australia. And I did that for a while. He left. And then, long story short, I became the chorus master at Opera Australia for a very long time. Um, and then, 13 years later, Lyric asked me to apply for the position here, and I came and started here full-time in 2013. Even if it was not always the most obvious career path, Black did have a special fondness for opera from very early on in his career. Even when I was in high school, um, I used to play piano. And because I played piano, I couldn't join the band or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I always accompanied singers um, in my church. I was always accompanying the choir. Um, it's always been geared towards singers uh, right from the very start. It would be easy to think of the chorus as just background players, but Black points out the chorus plays an extremely significant role in moving the story forward in any production, especially Macbeth. So the chorus have an integral part of pretty much every opera ever mm -hmm. written. There are a couple that don't feature choruses, but most operas have a lot of chorus in them, or at least a little bit. And the chorus come on and their role is to advance the drama either with um, an emotional push because they're commenting on what's being happening with the principal characters or sometimes it's a comic relief sometimes it's for a visual thing they need more people on stage to do things so composers mm -hmm. wrote them into these opera scores uh, as villagers as priests as prostitutes as neighbours as villagers to make the opera look very realistic I think uh, and then musically, there's something about hearing a voice on stage sing with an orchestra. And I think, you know, we're all familiar with our favourite arias, those favourite moments in opera that we, that we love. But when a chorus comes out and you've got 20, 30, 60, 100, 120 people on stage all singing, sometimes as loudly as they can, sometimes as softly as they can, I don't think personally speaking, that there's anything more riveting than that orally for an audience to hear and to see um, than this certain number of people giving their all on stage at a certain time. 
So far in this series, we've learned how Lyric Opera decides in a particular production and how they go about creating a roster to actually take the stage. So where does Michael come into the production process? So what happens is I think uh, Lyric puts together um, sometimes two or three or sometimes four possible versions of, say, for example, the 2021-22 season. Uh, And I will be asked, how many chorus members should we perform this with? Uh, How many music rehearsals we will need for this? Then oftentimes, how many staging rehearsals we need for this? And then, of course, that becomes a very big budgetary matter. If we do Triumph, for example, we're looking at around about 100 chorus people. If we're looking at Marriage of Figaro, we're looking at 24. And there's a big number, big difference in the monetary disparity between those two operas. So, for example, Figaro, you might need, if you're 24 chorus members, two costumes, a couple of rehearsals. Triumph, you would need 23 rehearsals musically, 100 singers, four costumes each. It really adds up. And, you know, it's not just the costume or the time it takes to make a costume, it's the time it takes to fit a costume. And then, mm-hmm. unfortunately, if you fit someone six months in advance and something happens in six months and they take off a lot of weight or put on a lot of weight, then you've got to refit them, you've got to yeah. recut the costume. Um, so these things come into it in advance. And so uh, three or four years in advance, I, pre- I will pretty much know the options of what's going to happen and then it becomes uh, far more obvious as time goes on. Once the numbers are agreed on, then the rehearsal number is agreed on, uh, and then as it gets closer to the time a year out, we start auditioning for that particular opera. For example, if we have 44 regular chorus members and we need 60, then we need to employ a few more people, so we hold auditions for, for this particular opera or the season coming up, and that's always a year in advance. And there's the contracting, and then there's the music rehearsals, and the staging rehearsals, and the performances themselves. Last week, we learned that COVID did not actually play a huge impact on the production process up to this point, because the choice of production and the main cast were all decisions that were made years in advance. So did it throw a wrench into the process for Michael and the chorus? So, for example, with COVID, the last set of auditions we held was the week before... I think we closed down. So it would have been the beginning of March 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, So we haven't been able to hold any auditions since then for this season, for example. So we're casting Macbeth based on the auditions we heard uh, in 2020. Even though things have mostly started to move in a positive direction in the COVID pandemic, it still isn't exactly smooth sailing when it comes to finding people who can join the production. We've found people have not retired from singing, but changed their priorities in life. They've right. gone to do different work because there's been no work in the arts at all. Um, we've found people have just changed careers entirely. A lot of people are just champing at the bit, you know, ringing us all the time to, to see what the work situation is. Um, that's been a difficult year for the arts. Now that things have somewhat cautiously opened up and live performances have gotten the green light, how has the audition and production process for Macbeth changed because of the COVID pandemic? We, we, um, we're not used to 
I think contractually the chorus have to sing, have to audition for um, a part in the chorus um, every year for the supplementary chorus here. And we weren't able to do that for health reasons, obviously. So we've yeah. had to look at past, the couple of past seasons who we've used, who's come to audition, and then offer contracts based on that. Um, you know, there was talk a couple of months ago about <clears throat> would we be able to perform Macbeth um, in its entirety with a break, without a break, um, with the audience distance, in masks. How are we going to do this if the, if the company wasn't vaccinated, if the audience wasn't vaccinated? And you know, these are questions well beyond my pay grade, but these are all discussions that have taken place in the last few months. Um, and even when we were discussing musically, should the opera be um, slightly less time than the actual composition itself? You know, we just decided the chorus are going to learn everything. Um, things are changing very rapidly here in, in the States. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> the chorus will know every note of the opera. Um, and then, you know, if things change, things change. But the way things are now, uh, we're learning the opera as if we're going to perform the opera in its entirety from beginning to end. Do you ever think maybe uh, maybe the entire chorus can be wearing those uh, like bird, you know, plague masks that they <laughs> used to have in, uh, in in Europe? Maybe, maybe that would have been an yeah, option. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I've seen. A, I even watched a, a thing of San Francisco Opera recently where they've they developed special singing masks. And they went into a rehearsal in a couple of weeks ago, I think, uh, wearing these masks. And I saw a picture of them. And I can't imagine how uncomfortable it must be for singers to yeah. wear these. What does the timeline look like when it comes to the chorus end of the production? Yeah, so we'll, we'll start rehearsals, music rehearsals on the 2nd of August. And then the opening night is the... 17th of September, I think. 17th of, yeah, so yeah. two months away. So we've almost employed every singer for Macbeth now. Uh -huh. We had, a, we had a, a core group of people committed quite some time ago. Um, a few more... A little more recently, and now we've finalised the numbers. More recently, uh, we're just in the process of employing the, the last few people for that. When members of the chorus finally take the stage for rehearsals, how close would it be to what they were accustomed to before the pandemic? We had yeah. um, some rehearsals. I'm going to say three weeks ago for Pagliacci mm -hmm. in the theatre. Uh, and yeah, the chorus was spaced, um, and anyone who wasn't vaccinated wore a mask. And it was an incredibly moving moment, I think, for all of us to go back into the theatre <clears throat> and to hear each other sing. And for me, at the front of the room, to hear everyone sing at me and for these people to sit there and hear their colleagues sing for the first time in 18 months. Yeah. Uh, it was a very, a very moving moment. Now that everybody's back, how does it feel to finally have performers actually on stage again for the first time in a year and a half? These people have not only been at home but they haven't been able to practice their craft mm -hmm. um publicly at least for a long long time and there's something about being a singer as opposed to 
being an instrumentalist in the orchestra because the instrumentalists in the orchestra, they jump on the metro, they jump on the train, they drive to work, they jump on the with their instruments in their arms. But the, mm-hmm. the singers arrive at work and it's inside them the whole time and it's part of them. And you can play a violin while you, whilst you're tearing up or playing over when you're getting very moved by what you're hearing or seeing. But for a singer to do that, it's a very different story because you can't actually perform in those heightened moments. So I saw a couple of tears at the, the first rehearsal of Pagliacci. I was getting a little bit emotional too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just one of those moments where I really appreciated how much these people in the chorus have been without for the last 18 months. They haven't been able to express themselves the way they've been able to express themselves for you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Assuming things go relatively well the rest of the way and opening night and the rest of the run go off without a hitch, what should people be looking for from the chorus in Macbeth and, for that matter, any time they see an opera? Particularly with Macbeth because it's a Sir David McVicker production and Enrique Mazzola conducting. Uh, I think this will be an incredibly exciting night in the theatre, visually, dramatically, and from the chorus musically as well. The wonderful thing about working with a director like Sir David is that he will not only allow the chorus to shine musically, he will make their characters so interesting for them that they're really acting the whole night as well, rather than just standing there and singing. Mm. So I think, um, to answer your question, I think we can look forward to, particularly in this production, a really exciting night of theatre and music combined. So far in this journey, we've learned how Lyric Opera decides in a particular production, how they go about the casting process, and now the chorus. Now we need some music for everybody to sing, right? It wouldn't be an opera if everyone was just standing around talking to each other. This is where Enrique Mazzola, the music director, comes into the story. We'll meet him in episode five and learn how that piece of the production comes together. I have the privilege of uh, being in this uh, special uh, position, which is the conductor's podium. Yes? So I make exactly this uh, transition uh, plays between audience and all the artistic uh, uh, forces of the of the show. Bringing Up the Lights is an original series from Sound Concept Media. It's written and narrated by me, Keith Conrad, with original music from John Benedek, along with the Lyric Opera of Chicago's 2010 production of Macbeth. Along the way, I had help from the team at Lyric Opera of Chicago and Elizabeth Newkirk with the Silverman Group. 